Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. Hey, Steve. So this was a fun one. It was quite unexpected. It was a delight to be participating in this episode. Uh, vulnerable. <laughs> Big time. Absolutely. Courageous. Yes, absolutely. And brilliant and magic. Well, that's magic mark. So I don't think there's really much more to say about that because we didn't have a lot of expectations getting into this episode about expectations, but I think you should enter it with a ton of expectancy Agreed. to have your heart touched and changed. And so with that, we will get in the studio with Magic Mark and our special guest, who I'm totally in love with. Our very own Kayla Shields. Mark, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to have you here. It's so good to be here. And Mark, you invited a special guest to join us. I did. I invited the one, the only. Ladies and gentlemen, brace your seat, hold your cats, seal up your dogs. It is Kayla Shields. Hello. <laughs> what does it mean to seal up your dog? I don't know. <laughs> but I just felt like that was hold, right in my spirit. Hold, I just, your, hold I, your cats and hold seal your up your dogs. Seal you know? up your dogs. Well, you know, they bark, so they need yeah. some sealing. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. So welcome, Kayla, our special guest here with our awesome special guest, Magic Mark. So um, Magic Mark, if you've not listened to his previous episode on codependency, we super invite you to go listen to it because it's awesome. Um, and so, uh, so awesome that um, we also have the advantage of having Mark in person in Salt Lake with us and we happen to be his ride. So we were like, hey, while you're here, let's do two episodes. So um, able to get him. And we had one of our awesome outsiders, Jarrett. Um, so we texted him and we said, hey, you have Magic Mark here, so he's a huge fan of Magic Mark's podcast. He's one of your outsiders, but one of my insiders. Yes. Mm. Insiders too. Your podcast name? Called? Oh, The Magic Well Podcast. So um, after emailing Mark multiple times about why there aren't more Magic Well episodes and getting no response, we thought it was only fair that he got an audience with Magic Mark. So he said, we said, if you could have an episode with Magic Mark, what would it be? And his answer was on expectations. So uh, James, tell us what Jarrett meant by expectations. I have no idea because I was going to the bathroom <laughs> when he talked about that. So what Jared told me that he meant, because I was paying attention to him, just saying. So what he said is that uh, he wanted to hear a little bit about our perspective on the difference between expectations and living in expectancy with God and each other. And he referenced the movie and the book, The Shack, and how they talk about living in expectancy with God. So I actually pulled up the quote real quick because that's how I am. And so, I don't know the page number, but it says, 
Now you sound like Jesus. That is how Jesus loves. If you and I are friends, there is an expectancy that exists within our relationship. When we see each other or are apart, there is an expectancy of being together, of laughing and talking. And so I make up that that's what you wanted to hear about, was the difference between living in expectancy versus expectations. Mm. So, James, when that comes up, what that comes up for you? I'll flip the script. Oh. Uh, well, for me, it's um, an anticipation, um, a, a joyful looking forward to. So I'm thinking of just today, tonight, going home and being with my wife, Christy. Mm-hmm. Um, that expectancy that, and, and this knowing that I'll come back and come home and will be held and loved well, and that I will um, uh, hold her and, and see her in any way that she needs to be seen if she's struggling with something. And I look forward to that. And it feels, it fills me with joy and, and anticipation and expectancy of that. Yeah. Stephen, what comes up for you? I think for me, it's the word hope. Right. Like, um, so one of my favorite definitions of hope is an abiding trust because we often use hope culturally like, oh, I wish I win the lottery. I wish my team wins this game. I wish this would happen at work. Right. Like, that's what we're really saying when we say hope is it's wish. I, 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 you know, like whimsical, like win the lottery. We're really, to me, hope in a spiritual, like, sense of the word. I think its real definition is an expectancy like a, a belief that I'm holding that it is going to happen. Recovery for me is going to happen. Trauma healing is going to happen. Restoration is going to happen. Like that it's it really is going to come. Kayla, what comes up for you when you think about the difference between expectations and expectancy? Yeah, I think I'm the wrong person for this episode. <laughs> Okay, expectations and expectancy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Great. So do you want to hear more quotes from the shack? Sure. Okay. So only if you are of the world, apart from me and under the law, responsibilities and expectations are the basis of guilt and shame and judgment. And they provide the essential framework that promotes performance as the basis for identity and value. You know well what it is like not to live up to someone's expectations. Boy, do I, Mac mumbled. It's not my idea of a good time, he paused briefly, a new thought flashing through his mind. Are you saying you have no expectations of me? Papa now spoke up. Honey, I never placed an expectation on you or anyone else. The idea behind expectations requires that someone does not know the future or outcome and is trying to control behavior to get the desired result. Humans try to control behavior largely through expectations. I know you and everything about you. Why would I have an expectation other than what I already know? That would be foolish. And beyond that, because I have no expectations of you, you never disappoint me. What? You've never been disappointed in me? Mac was trying hard to digest this. Never, 
Papa stated emphatically. What I do have is a constant and living expectancy in our relationship, and I give you an ability to respond to any situation and circumstance in which you find yourself. To to the degree that you resort to expectations and responsibilities, to that degree you neither know me nor trust me. Mm -hmm. So when I think about the difference between expectancy and expectations, for me what comes up with expectations is a tight attachment to Mm -hmm. end results. Mm -hmm. And when I think of expectancy, I hold a loose association to images, ideas, conceptions. There's space and grace for creativity and curiosity. But with expectations, I have a fixed idea in mind. Yeah. I already know how my marriage is going to show up upon the proposal. I already know what my kids and their image and the pictures are going to have in my place because I have expectations of what they're going to look like. And when they don't show up as such, then I'm disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, In the space of recovery that I grew up in, we often say expectations are premeditated resentments. However, expectancy is a space of being able to hold it loose. For me, it's being able to hold it loosely and allowing the spontaneity of the moment to arise, allowing the space and grace for imperfections, allowing space for disappointments and all of the feelings associated with them. Yeah. So, you know, Jason kind of texted a question around, you know, I talked about going home to Christy and he's like, well, what if none of that happens? I'm like, yeah, so what? There's no expectation that it's going to be that way. It's the holding loosely and knowing that just the relationship is in that space of of hope and of holding and of and when it's not, that's okay. We can build toward that again if that's been damaged or whatever else. That's that's where I'm going with that. That's what I hear when you're saying holding on loosely. So in our marriage, tell me if I'm wrong in this, Stephen. I feel like I have expectations that I'm putting on Stephen, even though he doesn't have those expectations, but I'm putting them on myself. So I think the person who has the most expectations of myself is myself. 100%. And that's my experience of myself as well. That the ex- when I am in expectations, in fact, someone uh, a couple of months ago said, I have, he said to me, Mark, you have super high standards. And I looked at him and I said, the standards I have of the people around me pale in comparison to the standards I have for myself. Totally. Yeah. And so I can really identify with you in that. Yeah. Well, and so I'll lean right into the first question around that. Because, I mean, I think, so as someone married to Kayla with her expectations, right, expectations around us, how do we try and free like that projection, right? Because Kayla often say, like, I have this, and I'm like, I'm not putting that expectation on you. So how do I support in the clearing of that, right? Or like when James is like, you expected me to learn this this fast or do this for the podcast or, you know, whatever. Jason's like, I feel the pressure to get this, you know, recording done right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm not putting that. I didn't put that on you. But so how how can I communicate, right, or or help 
break when when because it's about me, right? Because what Jason is making up or what Kayla's making up is in relation to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to the quote from the shack, where it's that difference between holding an expectancy rather than being tied to expectations. Right. And when I am in expectation, I am rooted in the results and things going the way I have forecasted them to go. And when that doesn't quite go that way, because I am in a world with other humans, this is, you know, if life were a video game, all of my expectations would be met. But because I'm not in a video game and I don't have the ability to press all the buttons and make all the things happen, upon my request, I have to live, well, I don't have to, I get to live in expectancy rather than expectations and be able to say, I have a firm enough, see, if my relationship is based, if the status of my relationship is based on whether or not my expectations are being met, I live a life of a roller coaster. But if I am living in expectancy, and the foundation and the nature of my relationship has nothing to do with the current facts of my circumstances, but the foundation upon which we laid, then I can hold, I can be rooted in the foundation of my expectancy. And when I become disappointed, there's even, the foundation is strong enough to hold my disappointment. The foundation is strong enough to hold my grief. The foundation is strong enough to hold my hope and my letdown when things don't exactly go the way I think that they should have gone. Yeah. I feel that in our marriage. Do you think? I don't say more. Uh, I guess I'm maybe calling myself out. I think, I think sometimes I put expectations on Mm -hmm. and we feel, I feel that roller coaster that you're saying. Yeah. And it's exhausting. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that the expectations are in a lot of way an attempt to find safety. Totally. Right? And so when I'm not feeling safe, I hold on tighter to my expectations. And I think part of what that quote in the shack calls us to do is that the more afraid I am, my impulse as a human is to hold tighter to my expectations. But I think what we're called to do is let go in greater capacity and to say, I had an expectancy rather than an expectation. And in that foundation of expectancy, I can say, I'm afraid and I'm really scared you're going to relapse again. And part of that fear causes me to be controlling or part of that fear causes me to be short or snarky when what I really want so often when I work with couples I use the and we talked about this on the last episode I use the image of the iceberg right and it's the stuff at the top of the iceberg which is the stuff that we're always fighting about but it's never about that stuff it's always about the stuff that's below the surface that we are not talking about that we keep running into so rather then talking about the fact that you didn't do X, instead of talking about that, I can t- my expectation not being met, instead of talking about that, we could talk about, I'm really afraid and disappointed, and I don't know what to do with that. 
and to talk about my lack of safety in this marriage is a very different conversation than you consistently disappointing me. Well, and I think um, on to I think really break through resentment of expectations because if Kayla's like Stephen, I have these expectations of you, and I'm like, ah, oh, resent, I feel shame and resentment and all that. What I hear you saying is where I need to go in my iceberg instead of looking at the ice above the surface is go, wow, that what she's communicating is there's a lot of fear. Or if I see her having expectations of herself, I can go, wow, there's a lot of fear there. That's the below the iceberg place to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think so often when we are met with ex- other people's expectations, it is very natural to get very big and loud or very small and quiet. Mm. We and just go big and loud over here. Yeah. Well, yeah we, for, we go well, small and quiet over at our place. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, have y'all ever tried wife swap? <laughs> no, that's Neither make... of our wives swap that experience. <laughs> Kayla would be like, James, Jeez. talk, talk, talk. And Christy would be like, oh my gosh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that that's very common, right? Is that we get big and loud or small and quiet when the truth of the matter is is that it's really the definition of humility, right? Being right-sized. Hue, humility, hue, human, right? It's simply being right-sized, which means that I'm not going to get big and puff up and get loud or get small and shrink and get quiet. It's I'm going to take up the space allotted to me and I'm going to show up and lean in into the fact that I'm disappointed, sad, and scared rather than consistently pointing out what's wrong with you or getting quiet and betraying myself. And so, yes, I can get really big and cause a big distraction or I can simply say, you know what? The truth is I really had intended us to have dinner together tonight. And I'm kind of mad and sad and disappointed that you showed up late and we missed dinner with the kids. And um, I'm really frustrated. And right behind that frustration is fear that you are out acting out. And that's where my mind goes. Now, if I'm not, that's the below the surface stuff. That may be going on below the surface, and what I'm talking about is you made a commitment, you didn't do what you said you were going to do, so obviously there's a problem with you and your recovery. Instead of saying, I'm really scared, and I thought this is how the evening was going to go, and my fear took me to the belief system that you were acting out, and I just need to name that. Two totally different conversations. Well, the energy is completely different just listening to you talk. And that's the difference between expectations and expectancy. Mm. Thoughts, KP? It's probably like sad that I didn't even know the difference between... I, I mean, I guess I've never really sat down and thought about it, you know? Expectations and expectancy. I guess when you were reading that quote, I thought about just to kind of turn the tables a little bit. I thought about my relationship with God, you know. Um, Right now I'm in like a really high demand calling in our church. And sometimes I think I get stuck in those expectations where I got to do all the things and check all the boxes and be all the places. And that's how God will love me. And I feel like that quote was beautiful. Like, no, 
Like sometimes I'm going to drop the ball and that's okay. And God still loves me. And expects nothing from you. Yeah. Because it's not what we do that makes us worthy of his love. It's just the fact that we are, period, full stop. Yeah. So I need to read that quote like every morning. (laughs) Or be what you believe. Yeah. Do you want to sing the song? I don't want to sing the song because I don't know the song to sing it, but if I knew it, I would <laughs> sing it. But it's a beautiful song that we were talking even before this recording that uh, I heard for the first time just recently. And it's just brought me to tears. And regardless of what your theology is, I think it's such a call to stand behind. It's one thing to profess a belief. It's a whole other thing to live it in action. And beliefs in action, for me, that's truth. Otherwise, look, it's, you know, in some traditions they say faith without works is dead. And the question at the end of the day is, do I want a relationship that's dead or do I want one that's fully alive? And day by day, moment by moment, choice by choice, I get to make the decision. Am I living a dead marriage or am I living one that's alive? Is it a marriage that's dead? Is it my relationship with work? Is it this friendship that's dead or alive? Is it this um, calling in the church? Am I being of service from a space of deadness? Or am I fully alive in my service? Because it's not just the relationships with God, but that's a template to relate to ourselves, each other, our purpose, our passion, the world, spirit, everything. It's a model for everything in my belief. Well, and I think this is really the number one killer of people's recovery efforts. I couldn't meet the expectation. I felt shame. So I quit trying. Yeah, you know, so... Um, there's another book that I'm somewhat familiar with, and that's the um, book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in that book, it says, well, different books. We're talking about different, you know, lots no, of people have you know, books. I'm somewhat familiar with. <laughs> the under- yeah. understatement. I'm super familiar with. And in that book, it says that resentment is the number one offender. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not ju- it's the number one thing. And so absolutely, when I have a resentment, often based on an expectation of how things were going to go, then the amount of stress, shame, and pain that arises out of that, there's a part of my brain as someone who's had the experience of addiction that goes to, I know how to take this away real quick. Or in because of I have both been the person with addiction, and I've also been the betrayed spouse. So I'm actually in a unique position where I've had both sides of the coin, a personal experience with that. And as a person who was in the experience of the betrayed spouse, part of my experience of that was that I felt entitled to my resentment. Totally. You got, does that resonate? Yeah. How does that resonate? I think, um, yeah, sometimes I like say super hurtful things and I feel like I have a right to say that because of the way he's hurt me. And I'm like, I don't ever have the right to say those things, you know? And like when I take a step back, I can totally look at that 
but I think sometimes I get like, well, okay, I've done that, but you've done way worse, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is the, the only way out of that is my own healing mm-hmm. because he can never pay that debt. Right. So it's a setup for failure. Yeah. And it's a setup for my own frustration if I'm expecting my spouse to pay that debt because it is an unfillable hole within me. And as I've had to had <laughs> to do my work, I've had to realize it was actually never his job to fill that hole. It was mine mm-hmm. all along. And that was a painful truth that I had to encounter because I thought that it was his fault. He, made, he did the wrong. And therefore, now it's... I, I, there, I, I thought that there was a certain debt that had to be paid. When in actuality, that was the price of admission into recovery is responsibility. And I thought it was him that had to take responsibility, but it was also me that had to show up in responsibility too. Yeah. And that's hard. It sucks. It's much more convenient to blame them (laughs) until it's not. Mm -hmm. So you're saying expectations are always bad. Is it okay to have expectations of your spouse? It's not good or bad. Uh-huh. It's just a setup. It just is. It's a setup for frustration. Mm-hmm. Because and and it's a setup. So expectations is the um, the price you pay for the roller coaster, mm-hmm. right? And so if I'm wanting to get off, it's not good or bad. It's just if you want to get off the roller coaster, then we got to na- work on the expectations. But if you're enjoying the ride, keep going. You can go round and round (laughs) and ride that puppy into the ground. It is a way of doing life, and it's not good or bad. Because for some people, the safer option is really the only option. So what happens if you have a marriage where one person is that way and one person is the total opposite way? Hypothetically. Hypothetically speaking. Just asking for a friend. So hypothetically. My friend is James. Hypothetically, the one who is that way needs to slow it down and have grace and space for the other to choose to catch up. Mm. But the truth is, if the other is not interested in catching up, then the one who is going at a faster rate will get frustrated, will get bored, And at some point, we'll need to go out of this marriage. Because when one person in the marriage is growing, there are only a couple of options for what can come next. Either think of it like a rubber band that keeps the two connected. And either when one is growing there is a stretching of that rubber band. And one of two things, or a couple of things has to happen. Either the rubber band snaps and they break. The tension caused by the growth causes the one who's growing to go backwards and then shut down and live the smaller life. Or the one who's growing 
calls upon the other to grow. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think a healthy partnership does. Is it is a call to rise in both of us. Yeah. And I think the the truth is in any relationship there's like 50 different rubber bands going on at the same time, right? Cuz none of us grow in this really linear, clean line, you know, and so there might be some ways that I'm emotionally growing in mine and Kayla's relationship and there might be some spiritual ways that she's growing and, you know, or physical health, right? Kayla might be doing really great about eating healthy foods, moving forward in that way and putting the tension on that rubber band while I might be over here in some emotional space putting tension on that rubber band, right? I mean, there's a lot of gray and a lot of different things that happen. Absolutely. And the rubber bands in your lives are not only connected to each other. The rubber bands in your lives are also connected to your relationship with God and spirit and whatever language that use, um, relationships outside of the marriage that are... So I think part of the problem with Disney and uh, Pixar and Hollywood is that we think we're supposed to get all of our needs met from one human. And that is, quite frankly, not not only is that not how we're designed, but our DNA doesn't even work that way. We are tribal animals, right? Where the tribe is the ones taking care of the tribe. And you have cert- certain hunters and certain gatherers, and you have warriors, and you have the caretakers and the shamans, and everyone comes together to meet the needs of the whole, the community. And in modern western especially western culture we think oh okay we're just supposed to be in this marriage and i'm supposed to get my needs met from every all of my needs met from this one other human which is an expectation that only leads to a resentment because i am not actually designed to get all of my all of my needs met from one human so i in my marriage right get certain needs met from my spouse, but also because I'm so close with you, Stephen, I get a lot of other needs met with you in terms of emotionally and in terms of spiritually and intellectually. There's an intimacy that is formed between us that is other than. Mm -hmm. And my spouse, because our relationship is solid and not uh, penetrable or or not threatened that my spouse actually loves when I talk with you because I'm getting needs met that my spouse knows they can't meet. Right. And that's okay. That's how we're meant to be. Well, I remember my mind being blown. And James, you can speak to this big time, right? Of Warrior Heart, that's one of the key messages in there is don't take all of your questions of validation and all of your needs to the one person, right? To the woman. Cause we so often think that I'm going to get married and Kayla's literally going to be all the things all of the time. Shocker. She can't. <laughs> and so here I am with the boatload of resentment and yeah. then I'm also blaming on her. Yeah. That's one of the key takeaways that the men just consistently leave when we, from boot camp is if you give her, the power to validate you, you also give her the power to invalidate you. Meaning we need to get ultimately that, um, that deep, you've talked about it, Mark, that deep well of 
overflowing within us first. Yeah, but I think the thing that we're missing, and Kayla backed me up here, is that when betrayal trauma has occurred, it is terrifying to hear that the man or the person who has done the betraying is going and getting needs met outside of the marriage. It is activating and triggering. So it's not just, okay, I reckon, you know, it's great to come home from this amazing weekend and you say, okay, cool. um, I'm not going to get all my needs met from you, so I'm going to go elsewhere to get my needs met. That doesn't sound like a great branding or messaging to come home and share the good news with the spouse too, right? So it's about having the conversation of um, what feels safe, what feels okay, what's not okay, and beginning to have boundaries around that. But I think it's stepping out of the you're my accountability partner, you're my mom. Right. Because having had, when we've had couples come on the show, then it was like when he finally kind of took power of his own recovery and quit trying to ask me to do it for him, I was like, sweet. So, I mean, depends on the relationship, right? But because sometimes that's a, right, or I've we've had a lot of yeah. experiences. We've had people submit applications for their husband who doesn't want to really work recovery. Yeah, it's a terrible idea to have the partner be the accountability person. Yeah. Right. But even even the I've had, you know, people call me for therapy or warrior heart. If I can get my husband to come to this, is there a spot left? And it's like Yeah, your husband can send us an email. I guess I'm just kind of having flashbacks of that one time that Steven signed me up to go to the women's one women's mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Without me. Yeah, speak into that. Yeah. I was pissed. Yeah, terrible idea. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, the second that choice is taken away, like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, speaking from my experience, I know that my wife loved hearing that quote, that, that she finally didn't have to validate me anymore. She recognized that I was going to go to, you know, say God, right? The, that infinite wellspring to start to fill my bucket and to other good men who were engaged in their recovery to start to fill those other places in my life rather than having being that neediness of having her needing to validate all the things for me right but the, see the problem is it's 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 she wasn't relieved by the news she didn't have to validate you anymore okay she was relieved at your awareness that she could never actually validate you in the first place because it's the addiction to validation that causes us to forget who we are. So Love that. you don't need to be validated. I don't need to be validated. I am. I exist. Therefore, I already am. Now, in order for me to be a whole and healthy person, I need to have a whole and healthy relationship in which I can see my reflection in your eyes. So the difference between reflected intimacy versus validation is, am I coming to it from a solid ground of knowing who I am, or am I coming to it from a neediness? It's when I'm needy and in need of validation, it's like attempting to fill up a colander. Right. Totally. It's an impossible feat. So she wasn't um, glad to know that you were going and seeking elsewhere. But it was a recognition that she actually couldn't, it was, she couldn't ever do it in the first place. No one can validate you. You're not in need of validation. You're in need of repair so that you go from being a colander to a container and you can actually hold 
that which is being poured into you. Well, and, and to bring it full circle, connecting the dots, why why am I chasing expectations? What Kayla said earlier, trying to check the boxes, because I think I'll get validation, that I'll finally arrive, that I'll have checked enough boxes yeah. to finally have earned my identity, right? Well, yeah, yeah. or God's graces or whatever. Or whatever, whatever, for, whatever right? story I've made up, whatever my scripting's been. So to, right to your point, Mark, is that it's th- those two things... It, it it's the colander. It's so expect. I think in the quote it talked about expectations is a great way to control uh, to control people. Right? It talks about yeah. that. And so um, I think part of that is if you go back to the initial relationship of between mother and child or father and child. Right. So I have this image, right. Of mom holding that infant little boy and she's feeding the infant little boy. And all of a sudden that infant, you know, takes hold of her breast, right. And is feeding. And then all of a sudden, because she really has a need an expectation that she's going to be able to feed her child. All of a sudden she exclaims with joy and a profound, flooding of neurochemicals who's mommy's good boy and because i as this infant child is doing something that is pleasing to the world i'm good and if i as a little boy am doing something that is displeasing to the caregivers and the bringers of the food i'm bad so this concept of goodness and badness based on my performance happens on day one And it only gets bigger and badder and louder as I grow up until I get married. And now all of a sudden I'm in this relationship where the things I do are good and the things I do are bad. There's an expectation of my goodness and a disappointment of my badness. And it totally disregards my humanity and my identity is connected to goodness and badness because I'm mommy's good little boy. When in actuality, the truth of it is, I am good because I exist, period. I may act, so my actions are a reflection of how I am, not who I am. And when I act badly, something is out of order with me, not out of order in my identity. And so when bad, so we think the problem with addiction and other things that disappoint us about human condition is that we have bad actors. The difference between bad people and bad actors is bad people, there is no opportunity for reformation. When we have people who are acting badly, we can have the space and grace for changing behavior. And I think that that's a big difference in just the concept of how are we looking at people. And if we're looking at them as good or bad, there's always going to be room for judgment and people will always disappoint. But when people let us down, if we lean into with curiosity with, hey, I'm just curious of what's going on with you. You showed up for dinner late and you said you were going to be early. I'm just curious as to what's going on. And then there's space and grace for yeah, I just got tied up at the office where I got this, where I was just needing to have a conversation with my sponsor. And we ended up talking for a half an hour and I was sitting in the parking lot at work and I needed to take care of myself. 
all of a sudden when we lean in with curiosity and want to know how we are rather than who we are, it's a very different conversation. But if my goodness and my badness is attached to my identity, I will constantly live in resentment and frustration. Well, and I think the unsaid here is, and then I have shame. Right. Because when I don't meet the expectations, I fall into the I am bad. Yeah, the shame and, identity is born. And I think or, to bring it back relationally, in the times that I've been able to connect with Kayla or others in relation, in that curiosity, my desire to connect with them goes way up. My desire to be like, oh, what do I have to move or shift in my life, right? So I think of the Deb Dana quote, uh, you know, in her first book that we're wired to connect and trauma shifts us from patterns of connection to patterns of protection. Mm -hmm. And so when shame enters the room, I know for me, I'm like, sweet, how do I protect myself? Make sure the blame doesn't fall on me. It's like all the sudden hunger games, right? And I'm like, run into the woods and grab bone arrow and some berries to live, right? And it's like, go there. But when my identity's not on the line, I want goodness. I want connection. I want to make repair, be accountable, do all of those things that draw me closer to others. It's not only that I want goodness, all that there is is goodness. Yeah. Mm. There isn't anything else actually that exists. Yeah. What are you thinking, Kayla? Uh, probably something that's not even relevant. <laughs> what are you thinking? What if there's so much goodness that sometimes it, f it makes... What if so much goodness for him brings bad to me? That is a space of unworthiness that I have to encounter within myself because it's that is what's my relationship to power. So if I believe power, if my relationship to power is power over, then my relationship to power means that there is a finite level of power and the more power you have, the bigger you are, the less I have. If you win, I lose. Okay. But just like the day to day. So say, so so say dinner is ready. The uh -huh. kids have been crazy. I'm so tired. I'm done. I need a little bit of a break. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be 30 minutes extra. And then I can like try to be kind, but it keeps happening over and over and over. And then I feel like my needs aren't getting met because, because of that. Mm -hmm. So what do you actually need? Yeah, I think sometimes I just need him, you know. <laughs> I don't know. So that's a request, is I need him. Anything that follows that is a request of him. What do right. you need as an individual human? I need a break. Okay. So <laughs> and is I need, that a valid? I need family time. Is that a valid need? Yes. Absolutely. So then you go to him in curiosity of how do I get this need met? Yeah. Which is a very different conversation than why are you late to work again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you make up, Kayla, would happen if you went to him and said, I really feel like I need some family time and what that would look like is the four of us, whatever, insert blank, and I also need a break. I'm tired and I'd love to have a conversation about how I can get my need met. Yeah, see, I feel like it's easy 
Okay, sorry, we're going on a tangent. It's great. I love tangents. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm saying I feel, I feel like sometimes it's easy for Steve and I to have those conversations. I feel like he's always open to, yes, you need a break, and yes, we need family time, and, 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 and. But life is just so busy, you know? So then sometimes I feel like those, like we can have the conversation, but then still our needs go unmet. And then I get resentful and then I'm rude to him and then he gets resentful and then it's just the same pattern. Absolutely. And the problem in that is that your needs are getting unmet. Yeah. And that that is not a sustainable model for marriage. Yes. So the problem isn't actually that he went came home late from work. The problem is is I'm not getting my needs met. The symptom of that problem may be he didn't come home from work tonight. But if I, so if you imagine the, let's say the water line of stress is right below my nose and that's where I'm living at, it doesn't take much for me to drown. Yeah. And that's how I feel. I know. So I feel you, like I can snap like that, you know? I believe that. I believe <laughs> that. And so because of that, how do you get your needs met for time? Yeah. And this, but this whole conversation has been eye opening because I'm like, you know what? I think I have so many expectations on myself, from myself, that, and not just from Stephen, from everyone, you know, and from my calling and my children and my marriage and my house. And yeah, and it is the expectations of myself. So then Steve is the easiest person to take it out on. Yes, because of the issue of proximity. And we hurt the people closest to us. Yeah. Because there is a trust that they're not going to go anywhere. Yes. And so I can continue to choose to hurt the person in the world that I love the most as a way to offload my stress. Or I can do the work necessary to get my needs met. And that may look like going to my calling at church and saying, I love serving in this way. And what I need in order to continue is I need a group of women who are willing to come and cook dinner, watch my kids, help clean the house so that I can be gone for these 30 hours a week to do what I got to do. And it means that I am committed to answering this call and serving from an abundant house, but I will not take care of your house until my house is in order because that is incongruent with my beliefs. And I'm committed to being what I believe. And my house needs to be in order before I have the audacity to step into your house, which is true for service, for therapy work, for anything. It is inhumane, and I actually don't believe an answer to anything that God can call us to do. Yeah, I agree. So the service is to thy own self be true and to take care of my house and God's house so that I then can leave home peacefully and from a space of abundance and take care of, from a space of overflow rather than in a drought. Totally. So then, how do the answer then is how do I make sure my house is in order before I leave it? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that is for you, but what I do know is that if you, if you don't figure it out, the house will burn down. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think for me, I am way more sad of the expectations and the shame produced and the weight that Kayla carries on herself and realizing that codependently trying to take that from her is actually just harm. Yeah. Um, but I am so much, I have so much more sadness in my soul about that weight than any of the productive meanness out of resentment that has been pointed at me. Cause I think I'm just at a place in our relationship in my life that I'm just like, Oh, I just, I'm so sad the way that she's had to carry so much that I just think she doesn't have to, that you don't have to. Yeah. That's hard to figure out, you know, what to it drop. Is. <laughs> it is. Because when we're drowning in despair, it's hard to find a life preserver. So at that point, then we may need to say, I actually need some help. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know how to figure this out. In which case, then I may need to lean into other people that are trusted advisors or other people that have done this before or people who can we can seek counsel from that is safe and secure, whose house themselves is in order, and help seek community. Because that's the beautiful thing about having a spiritual community is that I don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not real. The community then is just a facade, like a Hollywood set. If I actually can't go in, it's one thing for us to all show up for the good times. But if I can't show up in the bad times and ask for help, then it's all BS. It's not real. If the only way I can show up in the spiritual community is when things are good and in celebration, it's not real. Yeah. And I think I get stuck in that sometimes because I show up for everyone's hard times, you know, like mm -hmm. that, that's part of the gig right so then yeah then you take on that heaviness and it's just a lot but see part that's not actual service that is just collecting burdens mm -hmm. to be truly of service is to be able to say i am willing to be with you and yours because i know that you're willing to be with me and mine but if I'm only willing to be with you and yours and won't let you see me and mine, what I'm actually saying is I'm judging the crap out of you. Because I see, if I can't give myself to be human, then I am actually judging humanity. And that has nothing to do with service. Mm -hmm. That's big. I guess I'm judging the crap out of a lot of people. Well, you, but, but it's also human. Yeah. Right, It's also human. One of the things that I love that Brene talks about, Brene Brown, is that in the areas in which we judge and blame are the areas in which we are vulnerable to shame. So I say judgment and blame is a highlighter for shame. So if you want to really get curious, and I'm not just talking to you, Kaylee, I'm talking to all of the outsiders, the insiders, the upside downers, whatever. <laughs> We the ashamed, the afraid, the, the shamed, unafraid, the, the afraid, the unashamed, the unafraid, all of the humans. The desperate magic well listeners who <laughs> want more episodes and are finding you here. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? It was about to be Got so him. brilliant. <laughs> 
Yeah. Renee yeah. Brown so if you want to get yeah. really curious about where your next level or layer of work is, get curious about where you are blamey and judgy. That'll point you exactly to where you need to do your work. And that's true for everyone. So there's nothing actually wrong with judgment. It's just a block to connection. So if what you're seeking to do is actually connect with someone, then judgment is a real block to that. And it doesn't actually matter if we're talking about our relationship with ourself. If I'm judging myself, I can't connect to myself. If you're judging me, you can't connect to me. If I'm judging you, you can't, I can't connect to you. But guess what else that's true? It's also true about God. If my conception of God is one of judgment, then I actually can't connect to that. Nor can I think that can connect to me, which will leave me isolated and alone. And therefore, we'll have to, my requirement of that is to hide anything about me that is messy. Which is why perfectionism is rooted in shame. They're one and the same. Yeah, and that makes me have a recent conversation with someone who I told them what I did, you know, what I for work, you know, what I do in there. I'm like, yeah. I, mean, I thought you, know, you were talking about rapping, like what you did. Wah, wah, wah. Um, yeah, no, but I, I said, yeah, I do trauma therapy. And um, her response to me was like, yeah, I just don't get why people can't just get over it. I mean, I've been divorced. I had domestic violence. I had this happen in lists very quickly in bullet point order. What I would define as a significant trauma history like Oprah best-selling book worthy trauma history and just packaged up was like, I don't know why everyone gets over it. And that for me is, I think some of the saddest places because it's the, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like to even start on the journey with ourselves to your point of like, where am I judging? And so I saw then that moment that I'm like, wow, there's so much healing you could have. And I, if you were open to stepping into that judgment. Right. So, so the problem with what we that person said is, you know, I don't understand why people don't get over it is because the we don't actually get over stuff. We have to go through stuff, right? And if the attempt to and part of just literally bullet pointing all of the trauma, that's actually exhibitionism. That's not sharing and connection. And that's often what we find, especially in places of recovery, where we've maybe done our sober or sobriety work, but haven't actually healed the wounds and the traumas of our past, is we will actually serve our story up in front of everyone, just like exposing ourselves, but not actually doing it from a place of a healed space. We'll be putting our wounds bleeding and pus-filled on display rather than sharing the impact of our scars. We'll be sharing our wounds, not our scars, which actually doesn't do anything but continue to pick at our wounds. Yeah. So the goal in sharing the story is in order to connect but it's not from a place of why won't you just get over it? It says, this has been my experience and this is part of how I got through it. And I um, wanted to share that as a way of connecting with you rather than why don't you just get over it? So you talked about sharing our 
what I'm hearing you say, and I'm maybe I'm hearing this wrong, is that when we share, I'm currently wounded in this way, and I'm currently bleeding in this way, and it's pus-filled, and I'm telling you about it. And you're calling that exhibitionism or whatever, but I'm like, no, I'm I'm look like maybe I'm looking for help. Maybe I'm looking for, you know, I'm not trying to tell everybody, hey, look at me. I, I'm I'm like, hey, I'm dead on the ground. Will you please help me? Right, but people have to earn the right to hear my story. Yes. And there has to be a level of intimacy, connection, and vulnerability that both parties are warmed up to in order to actually share from a space oh, of authenticity. Yeah, totally agree. If I'm okay. just giving you the bullet point of my trauma history gotcha. as examples of why the rest of the world can't get over it, that's not me asking for help. Okay, gotcha. Well, I think it's what we always say about vulnerable versus vomity. Yes, okay. Because we've had people, and we've had people wanting to come on the show and different things, where it's in a it's a, it's a vomity place of just like, there's my story, and it's just this, oh my gosh, look at this gaping wound, right? Versus the, a safety around it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of the scar okay. yeah. that that has. Yeah, I was misunderstanding then. Yeah. It's good. So expectations, final thought. So we wrap up the episode. My final thought is put less, less expectations on myself. Hmm. Mr. James? Um, expectations, final thoughts would be, um, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that expectations are just setting myself up for future frustrations or future resentments and um, have tried not to do that for a really long time. Um, I think what I'm seeing is um, that expectations that I have placed on myself or others have, I loved how you put it, Mark, that it, I dehumanized myself and others when I've done that in a way. And, and you talked more about from a judgment place, but expectations are what set up that place for judgment. And so I'm going to be way more, I'm going to pay way more attention to Anytime I might be judging myself or expect putting expectations on myself or others because I'm just not letting them just be. And what they are is good. Like, just love that. Mark, expectations. And we're going to do expectancy right after this. But just final thought on expectations. Ditto. So, Kayla, expectancy. What was your final thought? My final thought on expectations, um, I think that landed for me the most was to get curious about whether it's coming from the resentment end or me having an expectation of the fear of. Like for me, that was the phrase that's going to stick out to me from our time together in this is the fear of. So when I'm like, James or Kayla, I'm going to go, what's the fear of? My own fear. Yeah, What's yeah, my yeah. fear? Sorry, I'm pointing the finger at myself. They the, can't hear for that. The, for the hearing audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. Expectancy. Well, um, I don't know that I much change in the expectancy. I think I, I'm with that, just living in that place of um, enough. Just knowing, like, 
Mark put it so well when he said, I just stand in my own truth knowing who I am, and therefore it doesn't matter how, you know, Christy might show up when I leave at home. I know who I am, and my worth isn't on the line, regardless of how she shows up or anybody else. And so the expectancy in the relationship is just knowing that we're going on the journey together and we're both on solid ground. Our worth isn't on the line when either of us show up badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'd like to defer my time to Jarrett, who is actually in the studio, and he's the one who requested this whole topic. I'm deferring it to him in one second. No, first you. I see him. I want to go after Jarrett. Okay, then it's Kayla's turn. Okay, it's Kayla's turn. I think I'm more just like, I need to learn more about expectancy because I've never really separated them. We're back to you, Mark. I said I was going after Jarrett. Jarrett. No, Jarrett wants to do something special that Jarrett and I have, we've communicated. Um, See. So I would invite you just to trust the unashamed process and know that the outsiders know what they're doing. He's an insider. He's an outsider. You're my insider, Jared. Um, final thoughts. You know, I think for me, it is um, the idea of um, the difference between expectancy of holding loosely rather than gripping tightly. And so expectancy, holding loosely, expectations, gripping tightly. And when I'm held loosely, there's room for me to breathe, there's room for God, there's room for creativity, there's room for spontaneity, there's room to pivot. When I'm gripping tightly, there's no room for me to breathe, there's no room for God, there's no room for spontaneity, there's no room for creativity, there's no room to pivot, there's no flexibility. And day-to-day, moment-to-moment, my job is to continuously work on loosening my grip. I think I'd say that's my my expectancy is to allow a looser grip on my life. Because I think I've got some white knuckles in quite a few places, if I'm really being honest. So uh, in the spirit of uh, Jarrett, our outsider... Um, who is a giant Magic Mark fanboy. Um, he is in second place only to me. Um, he has requested that we end this episode with a magic well. So oh. in case someone has had the travesty and ad- audacity to have not listened to the Magic Well yet, because it's been mentioned many times here, go listen to the Magic Well podcast. Everywhere podcasts are found. Mark, would you introduce us to the Magic Well? Yeah. So in... The interconnectedness between all of us is this magic well, which has endless space and endless grace. It has endless space to receive that which we are no longer needing and willing to throw in, and endless grace to bestow upon us that which we would like to take with us. So, one thing from today that we are willing to throw into the magic well. Ahoy, this is Jared. Um... I am going to put in the magic well um, the expectations I have for myself around school and work because that weighs really heavy on me um, when I feel the need to perform. Um, And I'm going to take out the expectancy of me 
being human, not having to do it perfectly, and having a little bit more magic. Steven? I am going to put in the, uh, I want to say expectations, but I think my truth is resentments first that I have in my marriage. And what do you want to take out? And what I want to take out is expectancy for our relationship. James? What do you want to throw in and take out from the magic wand? I think for me, what I one thing I've noticed that's come up as we've recorded these last episodes is this um, part of me that almost automatically wants to go small. Um, just it was raised that you know it was bred into me that way. So I'm going to continue to throw the smallness into that and and work on the healing, the trauma, and all the things I need to. You know, so I'm throwing that smallness away and just gonna gonna uh, take out right sized. Kayla, what are you throwing in and taking out from the magic well? Yes, you kind of stole mine at the end. There's enough space and grace for all of it. Okay, you could double um, dip. Yeah, I think I'm gonna throw in that expectation of uh, showing up for everyone all the time. Perfectionism, you know. And feeling like I'm drowning because of that. And I'm with Steven on taking out the expectancy um, of just the base of our relationship. Because I feel like I tell Steve all the time, like, you are my person. Like, in you, I have found my person. And sometimes I do let those expectations get in the way of that. And Mark, how about you? I am throwing into the well the mistaken belief that my goodness or badness is attached to my performance. And I am taking out of the well the truth that only goodness exists. Mark? Yes? This has been a gift. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Kayla, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And for all the people that are going to want to find you, because they're going to want to find you, where can they find you? So my website is Mark M-A-R-C, Pimsler, P-I-M-S-L-E-R.com. You can find me on the Instagram at mpimsler, Facebook. Uh, yeah, Hit a brother up. And if I want to do a group workshop. You can find the group workshops I'm currently doing at mctretreats.com. Highly recommended. (laughs) So thank you for listening. Be here with us. If you feel like you are in need of resources um, to help your recovery and your healing around your expectations and shame, we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. Um, and apply. If you would like to um, help us fund those scholarships, we are a 501c3, um, meaning that all the money that you donate will go to funding those scholarships. And you can go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. Give us five stars on iTunes if you want to help us share this message. That's how the world finds us. And 
Follow us on social media at Unashamed and Afraid, Facebook and Instagram. And until we meet again, we invite you to be unashamed. And to end this episode, um, we often do songs when people share their stories, but I think, Mark, you just nailed it. And so I'm going to invite everyone to sit with you and your own expectations and just to take a minute to listen to the LDS primary hymn, I Will Be What I Believe. world with change all around but with the prophet's words i'll stand on solid ground even though it's still hard with questions that arise every day i will say i'll have faith like brother joseph and the strength Oh,